The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Some athletic ability. First receiving touchdown of the year for Davis. Third touchdown pass thrown by Vandenberg. Now it took a long time, over 55 minutes of game time, but finally Iowa with an offensive touchdown. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's home loss to the Penn State Nittany Lions and he previews the upcoming game against Northwestern. This program also includes the weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Brent Balbinat's Press Box Report and both of the reporters' notebook shows. The Iowa-Penn State game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Eric Collins and Derek Ratley. A nice job in play-by-play and analysis. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's embarrassing loss to Penn State at home, and he previews the upcoming road game at Northwestern. Marv, it was Iowa's worst home loss since the 1999 season, first time since 2006 that they've had three home losses, and they still have two games to go, including Nebraska. Was that one of the overall and all phases worst performances you've seen in recent years by an Iowa team? I can't go all phases just because special teams have scored touchdown but everything else was pretty much yeah I mean it was uh, they beat us to the punch they had more intensity than we did they seemed to, to really uh, have the perfect game plan for us offensively and defensively and I thought their execution was flawless. Do you think it was a matter of them executing really exceptionally well in that game or a matter of them really exposing flaws in Iowa's defense in particular the offenses struggled pretty much all season? I, I think offensively for Penn State coach O'Brien did a great job. I think it looked to me that they were dialing plays up and they knew what they were going to get. The first play of the second half, perfect example. When is the last time you've seen a deep post over the top when we only had one guy back? We didn't have another safety in the area. So they knew something and they had designed something to get the safety out of the mix and get the one-on-one matchup with Micah Hyde and and they executed it perfectly. Um, You know, they had a couple fourth down conversions that I thought were perfect. The tight ends got matched up on a smaller defender and the tight end made the play. And, And those are, you know, I think those 
those are things offensively. You're trying to you're trying to put your guys in position to have success. I think they were able to do that, and then once they did that, they were able to execute and make the play. And, and I think it's a testament to the players as well as the coaching staff. I really thought that their offensive schemes were, were phenomenal. The NASCAR offense, so-called, that he's installed there, if it weren't for the fact that you had to be an Iowa fan sitting in the stands watching them do it to your team, that's a pretty impressive offensive scheme, and, and the way they're running it is almost flawless, it appears. It really was. And to watch McGoin, his progression, you could tell he was going one, two, three, and check down over and over and over again. He almost looked, his feet looked like Peyton Manning. He was constantly moving his feet and, and redirecting, and then he was able to come down to that check down probably six or seven times on huge third down conversions, and the, and the check down was always one yard over the first down, and they were, they were able to convert those and make plays, and, and you know, they really had a good package in place, and, and they executed it flawlessly. Like I said, I'm not sure it's a combination of we didn't play well or, or Penn State played over their head, or a combination of both, but uh, I mean, they looked they looked really, really solid for, for, you know, Saturday night. McGloin completed passes to nine different receivers, but I thought one of the most striking aspects of that game plan was how they utilize tight ends. Can you talk about that? Well, I mean, to me, it's it, the tight end creates a huge mismatch. I mean, it, you know, if you want to bring in a defensive back and try to cover him, then you got the advantage in the running game or size, sure size standpoint. If you want to bring a linebacker and try to cover him, now the tight end has the advantage in the passing game. And so you create mismatches, and that's what Penn State's guys were able to do. They were athletic guys. I mean, they were, you know, they weren't your, you know, the one was a, like an Antonio Gates type of guy. I mean, he was very, very athletic. The other guy was a solid player, you know. So, I mean, they were very, very smart about it. I mean, those are, in my opinion, those are those are easy completions, high percentage throws, uh, and they move chains and keep drives alive and, and ultimately get you down in the red zone and let you score points. So, uh, very, very impressed with the way they utilize their tight ends, obviously. I think Iowa fans and, and the media, for that matter, have tried to cut Iowa's offense some slack this season because Greg Davis is new as an offensive coordinator. It's a new scheme. It's different terminology, all the things we've talked about all season. But to me, that makes it even more impressive what O'Brien has managed to do because that was a virtually entirely new coaching staff and a completely different offensive scheme, mostly the same players, but with a lot fewer of them given some of their key players left. So how is it that one program can have that kind of a turnaround offensively and another continues to struggle? Well, I think one thing is Penn State's got some talented football players that stayed behind. Uh, The second thing, and I actually mentioned this to somebody the other day, was, you know, those kids had a chance to leave. Uh, In my opinion, they stayed for what college football is truly about. It's playing for the institution. It's about playing for Penn State. And and that's a hungry group of guys. I mean, they are in it for the long haul. They know that there's no bowl game. They know there's no championship game. And and how many kids nowadays need that? They, they, you know, high school kids trying to commit need that type of thing. These guys are staying there to play football at the University of Penn State and and be a part of that program. And so they're they're vested and they've got ownership and that makes for a dangerous group. And and that's, they played with passion. They played with heart and, and, and there's something to be said for playing with that type of mentality and that type of ownership. And I think that's what we saw was we saw a very, very spirited Penn State team, a team that had nothing to lose and it was going to give you everything they got. Usually in post-game press opportunities, neither the coaches nor the players really say anything very illuminating. Certainly, rarely is it critical of preparation or you know how they played or so forth. But Saturday night after that game, a couple of players said some pretty revealing things, particularly James Morris, who said that Iowa's defense wasn't prepared for what Penn State did offensively. How is that possible? I mean, is that that's not execution, and that's they also talked about. The 
the fact that Penn State was way more physical in that game and played with more intensity, but not being prepared for the what Penn State was going to do fundamentally, where does that fall? Defense is tough because you got to prepare for everything, in my opinion. I mean, you, you don't know what offenses are going to try to throw at you, so you got to prepare at everything. And then the great thing about defense, too, is, is that ultimately you're going to see all the different styles and philosophies, and one week you're going to see a big, heavy run team. The next week you're going to see a wide-open spread team. And so at some point you've seen it. It's just a matter of whether you come out and you're able to execute it. The thing Penn State did to me was they spread the field out. They isolated guys. They got guys in, in matchups that they felt comfortable with. You know, backers trying to cover backs. You know, tight or you know, safeties trying to cover tight ends. And and they found out where that spot was that they were going to take their shots with, and they were able to execute it. That's I think he may be referring to that that they just were able to you know isolate guys, get them in one-on-one positions with with you know field to defend, and we weren't getting enough pressure to you know to to stop them. You know, that's one of those deals where if we're getting pressure in two and a half seconds, he can't throw it on time, it's covered. If he gets three and a half, four seconds, now the guy's open, they convert it, they make the play. And I think, you know, it was a combination of those types of things that ultimately was was what did our defense in, is just we could not match up and cover guys effectively. Now, not to harp on this point, but he also specifically said they weren't prepared for how much Penn State actually ran no huddle. Now, that's coming off Penn State's bye week, but the week before, Penn State's last game was against Northwestern, and we thought it was unbelievable that the Nittany Lions could run 90 plays against Iowa. They ran 99 against Northwestern. So how can you not be prepared for that? Uh, that's you know that's a good question. I mean, if they ran 99 plays, you know that they've got a good pace to them and, and uh, they're effectively controlling the football. Kind of a tale of two quarterbacks here, looking at the two programs. I heard some people say and write that Matt McGloin is the quarterback they thought James Vandenberg was going to be. McGloin in a limited role last year, very average if that. This year, he's leading the Big Ten in passing. He looks like he has a complete grasp of everything that's going on. He looks like he's exercising exceptional leadership out there. And James Vandenberg's almost exactly the opposite. It's enough said. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, we don't have any identity on offense right now. And, and, and I, I think part of it is, is, I don't know if we got the playmaker. I don't know if we've got the, the weapons that can, you know, get open over the top on the deep post and, and do those things consistently. There's just something that's not clicking. I mean, that's for sure. Everything, every possession, it's just too hard. It's not supposed to be this hard, you know. I mean, throwing the ball on time and executing, it shouldn't be this difficult. Yeah, I wrote Saturday night. It looked to me like he was becoming a head case out there. It's, um, and some other people have made the comment that it appears as if something diametrically opposite is happening from what you expect, that the game is actually speeding up for him this season as opposed to slowing down. Do you think that's an accurate assessment? It, it looks it looks helter-skelter. I mean, nothing looks easy. There's not a completion that looks easy, in my opinion. And we're still dropping too many balls. And we're still dropping the checkdowns and little six-yard you know plays that are positive yards that end up getting us into third and ten versus you know third and four. And those types of things, I think they ultimately weigh on you. you know, And then you press and you press. And if you press, if you're trying to do too much, that's when it looks like the game is too fast for you. Because, I mean, you, you just you can't can't, you got to play within yourself. You got to play within your timing and your fundamentals. And if you, if you don't, then it looks it can look really really bad. And that's where we're at right now. It's look because it looks really bad at times. Do you think he's lost confidence? I don't think he has. I really don't. I just think that there's. I, I don't think he's got that that. You know, every good quarterback's got one guy that you feel like, you know what, if I need to dial it up, I can go to him in crunch time. I don't think he's got that guy right now. When you see him miss, really, game in and game out, but in this game again Saturday night, he was not seeing the open receivers over the middle, and, and they were open several times, didn't even try to pass to them. When he throws an interception right to Mowdy in, you know, just a clear field, when he fumbles, but it was a drop, he just dropped the ball. It wasn't really a fumble as a result.
result of a hit. Is that all just part of the same pressing too much, maybe? I, I think so. I mean, I'm not in his head, so I mean, I, I, I mean, a lot of times that's what it is. You're, you're looking for the defense too, too much before catching the snap. Things aren't in rhythm, you know. The ball comes out a little softer than normal in the snap, not as firm or whatever. There's a, a, a tempo that comes with the offense, and you get in the habit of knowing that tempo and, and perfect example like you said is you know you're throwing it you know a, a mid-size out or middle depth out route and you've thrown it a hundred times but the one thing you always got to do is you got to check that flag guy you know and you've thrown it a hundred times and it's always worked but if you got to check that flag guy every time and he didn't check him and there he was he was sitting right underneath the out i think most fans would probably say we're at the point of having a legitimate quarterback controversy but minus a little bit different in the sense that iowa is the only team out of 120 four teams in the FBS where one quarterback has taken every snap in the season. And so I don't think, you know, fans don't know what Jake Rudock or any of the others are like. Kirk talked a little bit about that at his press conference and their speculation is the gap so big. But, you, you know, my, I guess my question is, and we talked about this last week, is if you haven't even played your backup a single snap and if Vandenberg were to get hurt, well, where does that leave the team? Yeah, not in a good spot. Um, and that's one, that's the, the you know, the, the center position, the quarterback position, are the two positions that technically you need some reps and you need them on a Saturday versus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Cadence is huge. Sequencing, play calling, getting in and out of the huddle, all those things are critical and you can only simulate them basically on game day. And, it, you know, that was, a per, that was a good opportunity to, to get a quarterback in there, not to create controversy because I think James Vandenberg is the guy, but just to get him ready just in case you're one snap away. That's what you are. You're one snap away. You're two snaps away from possibly being your third string quarterback you know so ultimately you got to try to get those guys reps when you can and and to me it doesn't make sense to 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 jeopardize a guy a starter you know whether it's the quarterback the the tackle the guard the tight end when the game's 31 points out of control and it you know you're not you can't win the game anyway and if there's four minutes left in the game and you've decided that then in my opinion you get other people in the game but that's a philosophical difference that, that we have so we've talked a lot about how good Penn State's offense is but their defense was something to watch Saturday night and especially the three guys that we talked about last week Hill Hodges and Mounty it's a pretty impressive trio they were relentless and just I, I, fun to watch play. I mean, it was uh, impressive to watch how they got after it, and I and, mean, uh, I thought they, you know, brought pressure at the right time and and and, and really had our number. They they had they were unblocked a lot. We were sliding away from 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 you know an unblocked guy, which didn't make sense, and and there was some confusion that they created. So I mean, it, it was a great defensive scheme on their part, and and um, for me, it's it's an easy game to wash away because it's not a game you can sit there and say, well, we could have won that game. We got beat. We got beat in almost all phases. We talked about, and they were the by far the better team and and that's one you just flush down the drain and, and move on did it seem like that game was way more lopsided than the score yeah i mean it had a chance to be 38 nothing with early in the third quarter you know and and at that point they just started to run the clock out they weren't even trying to you know move the ball effectively they were just trying to get as much time off the clock as possible and advance it and punt it and play defense i won't go down all of the stats here it's probably too depressing for iowa fans but I, statistically i've rarely seen this much dominance in in what are supposedly two relatively even programs but again the 90 offensive plays and 504 total offensive yards for Penn State those are stunning numbers perhaps even more stunning on the other side of the coin is that Iowa had 20 net yards rushing yeah it's uh not the kind of uh, thing you want to see. That's for sure. I mean, that, and we're built to play action. And, and if you can't run the ball effectively, it's not even you know even faking the, the play action. Yeah, the defense was really pretty bad. I mean, let's just 
say what it was, but how much do you attribute, and you can't really say that in the first half, but how much do you attribute to the offense doing nothing and keeping that defense out on the field in the second half? It looked like they were clearly gassed. Yeah, and, and they were one step ahead of us in everything we were doing, whether it was offensively or defensively. I thought that they really had our number and, and conversions of third down was just, I mean, I, what, are those, what were their conversions on third down? He'd probably take away the last three or four possessions. After the Big Ten update, Marv talks Iowa's special teams and previews Northwestern in depth. Annenberg in trouble, loses the ball! Big pileup, no signal yet. Penn State thinks they have it. And they do! Nittany Lion football! Annenberg just lost the handle, and it's picked up by Daquan Jones. Eric, you were just talking about something positive needed to happen for this Iowa offense. Exactly not what needed to happen. Looked like he just mishandled it trying to tuck it away. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. In our Big Ten update this week, the conference passes the halfway point in its football season this weekend with several key games on tap that will go a long way in determining the division winners. Through the first eight weeks of the season, Ohio State remains the only unbeaten team in the conference, one of only 11 teams in the nation that remain so, and the Buckeyes are the only team that is 8-0 at this point. To achieve that, they had to overcome an eight-point deficit in the last minute to tie at Purdue, then win that game in overtime. Urban Meyer became just the third coach in program history to win eight straight at the outset of his tenure as Ohio State coach. When Michigan defeated in-state rival Michigan State in Ann Arbor last Saturday to win the Paul Bunyan Trophy for the first time in five years, it also became the all-time winningest program in NCAA history with 900 victories. The Wolverines are one of three Big Ten programs ranked among the top five in all-time wins. Nebraska is fourth, while Ohio State is fifth. Wisconsin Wisconsin retained the Paul Bunyan axe and appears to have rediscovered its offense as both running backs James White and Monty Ball had big games against Minnesota. Ball had 166 yards plus rushed for his 75th career touchdown. White added 175 yards on the ground and Ball now needs just five more TDs to become the all-time NCAA record holder in that category. He's also decided he'll have his name pronounced as Monty and not Monte. Enough said. That's the good news for the conference. The Bad news is the lack of respect Big Ten teams are getting in the national polls. Ohio State is ninth in the AP poll, Michigan's 20th. Since AP is the only poll that includes teams on probation and ineligible for postseason play, it's hard to understand at this point why Penn State has not clawed its way into those particular rankings. In the USA Today coaches poll, the Wolverines are 20th, Wisconsin is now 25th, only Michigan is ranked in the Harris Interactive poll at 20th, and in the bowl championship series rankings, the Wolverines are 22nd, Wisconsin is 25th. Conference leaders in the NCAA stats this week include Northwestern's Venrick Mark at 5th in all-purpose yards. He's also 1st in the nation in punt return average. Iowa's Anthony Hitchens is 2nd and James Morris is 15th in tackles per game. And with his two misses last Saturday, Iowa's Mike Meyer dropped to 5th in field goals per game. Northwestern is 17th in the nation in rushing offense. They're also 29th in the nation in rush defense. Iowa is 28th 
in scoring defense. And the Hawkeyes are 25th in turnover margin. Northwestern is 18th. Crucial Big Ten games this weekend include Iowa at Northwestern, where the loser will fall out of any contention in the Legends division. Michigan at Nebraska, where the winner will become the heavy favorite to represent that division in the conference championship game. Interesting note here, while Nebraska leads the conference in total points per game, it is last by a lot in turnover margin. Michigan State travels to Wisconsin in what should be a defensive slugfest. Regardless of what else happens in the leaders division, the Badgers are almost certainly a lock to represent that division in the championship game. And in what some are calling the ineligible, Penn State hosts Ohio State, where the winner will have a leg up on the leaders division title. And after the Nittany Lions' impressive performance last week in Iowa City, coupled with uncertainty surrounding the Buckeyes' starting quarterback Braxton Miller, you have to like Penn State at home in this one. One other note, Iowa's foe next week, Indiana, will play Illinois in Champaign, where someone has to win and get their first and perhaps only conference victory of the season. And broadcast school has really paid off. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Next, Marv Cook talks about Jordan Cotton's play on special teams and he previews Northwestern. The one true highlight Iowa had Saturday night was Jordan Cotton's 92-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. He did that earlier, and of course it was called back because of a penalty, but it really does look like he's got something in that return game. Yeah, and, and you know, if that's the case, then let's get him back there on punts, and let's get that, let's get him touching the ball. I mean, I mean he's got, obviously, obviously he's got big game ability and, and big playmaking ability, and we got to find ways to get him the football and, and get him five, six touches a game versus one or two, so, uh, you know, it's something that I think we're going to continue to see developed and you know obviously that's an element of our game that I think we've always wanted to upgrade and, and he's bringing a nice little uh, package to the table as far as special teams go. Turning to the Northwestern game, Ference is only 5-6 and six versus Northwestern and it's a team that seems to have had Iowa's number for a few years. Iowa did win at Kinnick last year but the Hawkeyes, this is almost an elimination game in the Legends division. If, if Northwestern loses that would give them three Big Ten losses if Iowa loses two and Iowa's coming into this game with key injuries to two of its starting offensive linemen. Yeah, and you never, you know, I think must win's close, but I don't know if we're there quite yet. But, you know, this is a team that has got, needs to step up and start developing an identity on what they want to be. And, you know, Northwestern, to me, is it's the same team that's been there for 10 years. I mean, you can just plug a new quarterback in, plug a new running back in, plug new linemen, tight ends, and it seems to me it's the same guys. They know who they are. They know what they want to do. From what I saw, they got some athletes. I mean, they got some guys that with some speed, 
eat, and, and, and they are very, very disciplined in what they do offensively. They're smart kids, obviously, and, and we're going to need to be ready defensively to, to lock the spread offense down, make them one-dimensional, and you know, not allow them to you know, isolate guys, not allow them to get one-on-one matchups and have time to throw the football. Uh, otherwise, we could be in for a, another long day. And, and um, you know, Penn State and Northwestern played, as you mentioned, two weeks ago. It was a very, very close game. Penn State came from behind uh, to win that game in Penn State. So Northwestern's a, a talented football team, and, and we need to be ready. And the one thing I know about Northwestern is they've got a chip on their shoulder. They, they've got a, a chip against the Hawks, and it, this is a game that they circle. And, and, you know, we took some kids down there to a football camp, and we had some Iowa football bags, and they did not appreciate having those bags in that stadium. So, uh, you know, they'll be ready. They'll be locked in. You know, Iowa needs to make sure that they play, you know, smart football and physical football and get after it. You just mentioned Penn State's coming from behind two weeks ago to beat Northwestern. Last week, Northwestern lost a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter to lose at home to Nebraska, although the stands were apparently filled with far more Cornhusker fans than Northwestern fans. And then Iowa, of course, comes off of this ridiculously bad game at home against Penn State. How do players flush those kinds of losses out of their system? You know, I think it's I think it's harder to, to flush out the ones that you think you should have won. I mean, and, and that's what Northwestern's sitting on the last two weeks, is games they had won. And, and they started the season 6-0, and I think. I mean, they were bowl eligible a long time ago and off to a great start, and, and they've found ways to lose games, and that's that's tough. That gets in your head where this Penn State game for Iowa, I mean, it's just like, you know what, let's just throw that one out and we'll move on and, and stuff. So I think it's going to be difficult for Northwestern to shake it off. And, and uh, you know, they may get up 10, but I'm telling you, they're not going to be comfortable up 10 because they've been there and, and they need, you know, to develop uh, the, the instinct to finish games. So I think it's going to be harder for Northwestern than it is for Iowa from this standpoint and, and to recover and, and to be ready to play Saturday. Northwestern utilizing a two-quarterback system this season, although they've now, in the last couple of games, shifted Kane Colder out more as a receiver than a quarterback. That's got to be tougher for a defense to prepare for because you've got two different styles back there. It, it is, and then ultimately you got to be careful of reverse passes and, and bubble passes and all that stuff, so you can't really come up you know, on the on the running game as, as aggressively as you'd like because they can all, always option that guy and he can throw it or do certain things like that. So, I mean, it, it causes some problems for the defense. they got to pay attention to it. And, you know, the thing that we want to do is, like I said, is make them one-dimensional, not allow them to run the ball effectively. Northwestern wants to spread you out to run it. That's ideally what they would like to do. If you can if you can cover them up and not allow them to run the football against you and make them pass, then that obviously favors Iowa in a strong way. Yeah, I was really interested to notice the fact that Northwestern's passing game this season is actually ranked lower than Iowa's in the Big Ten, and it's hard to believe their passing stats. It seems as if opposing defenses have figured out a way to control Northwestern's short to intermediate passing attack, which is almost what they do exclusively. I know Nebraska kind of clogged up the middle of the field and made them try to beat them on, on passes outside. Is How likely is that scenario to play itself out this week, given Iowa's defensive scheme against what Northwestern likes to do? I think Northwestern, in my opinion, is doing more with less. I mean, they don't necessarily have the five-star recruits. They don't necessarily have the blue-chip guys, the top-tier athletes. So they got smart guys that are, that are running crisp routes that are in the right place at the right time. The way you beat that is with athleticism. And what I think Nebraska was able to do and what Penn State to do was able to do to some extent is come up and challenge those guys, play a little man-to-man, play a tight zone on them, force a tight throw, close those windows down, and make it hard for them to convert those little third-down plays that we talked about. And that's what I was going to have to do, unfortunately, is they're going to have to come up and play it a little bit tighter. Now you're susceptible to things over the top. Uh, so it's just a matter of whether we can match up on the outside with, with our defensive backs and our safeties as far as covering those receivers and taking away those easy throws. I mean, that's the one thing you have to do is just take away the easy stuff and make it more difficult for that quarterback to throw the ball in there. And so that's where I think Penn State and North Nebraska has had some success is they've been able to come down and match up 
athletically with those guys and cause pressure. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Iowa wants to do it. They want to come up and challenge them, which I think is what you have to do with Northwestern. And then you can play, you know, uh, you know, with the seven up front So and let them stop the run. So now spread offenses, the, the standard rule is if you go cover two, you're running the ball. So if you have two high safeties, you're running the football because you got an advantage in, in the inside. Iowa's been somewhat successful stopping the run. For the most part, with that, that mentality, Northwestern's going to challenge that because they, they, they truly are by the book team as far as if they see the two high safeties, they are going to have a, a, a run check and they're going to try to run the b- football effectively against us. On the positive side for Iowa, Northwestern's two defensive, two corners are out of this game, including their top corner, uh, Nick Van Hoos and Quinn Evans. So you would think, at least on paper, that might be somewhat advantageous to Iowa in its effort to get its passing game on track just a bit. It should be. I mean, I w- I, you don't see many teams that are that deep at corner with such an important position. So, I mean, obviously that's a huge setback for them. Uh, and we're going to take advantage of it. I mean, that's you have to, you know, you always see the, the teams when a, when a cornerback limps off and that new guy comes in with a clean jersey. The good teams are always going at that guy. One, he's not loose. Two, he's probably not as good as the guy in front of him. So, you know, we've got to be willing to take those shots on those guys and, and challenge them. Outside of Scherf and Donnell and their replacements on the offensive line, who are you watching Saturday in terms of Iowa's offense? And then the same thing, who is key in terms of Iowa's defense against the Wildcats? Offensively, it's going to go back to what we talked about. It's got to be the tight ends. You know, I'm telling you, it is too easy to throw the ball to the tight end and, and, and move chains and be effective, especially if your running game is looking for a little bit of shot in the arm. It's just so easy to throw that stick route and those little hood, hood, hitches and hooks and, and curls and digs. And, you know, I just want to see them pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball to those guys. And if we do that, I think we're going to have a lot of success. So that being the case, if we don't throw the ball to the tight end more than four or five times, we better run the ball effectively. I mean, that's it just comes down. There's no, there's no you know, ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're still not good enough passing to, to line up and throw it 55 times. And defensively, defensively. we got to stop that zone read. I mean, we have we, we need to make sure that their, their, their gap assignments are strong. I was watching this a bit on the Big Ten Network about Northwestern, how they run the zone read. They're going to read our, our Kirksey, and they're going to read our outside linebackers. And if he hangs inside, then they're going to throw bubbles on the outside. And if he hangs on the outside, then they're going to run the inside zone. And if there's a crease there, I've seen this guy go 60, 70 yards for touchdowns. So we've got to be stopped with our front four and our inside backers and, and then rally to the football. And on special teams, Northwestern has the top punt returner in the Big Ten in, in uh, Venrick Mark, who's also a pretty good running back. And you have to assume that Mike Meyer will have a bounce back game after last Saturday night. Well, I, you know, I, I feel bad because, you know, I actually heard there was some pre midseason All-American team. I've, when have you heard of that? I've never, ever heard of that midseason All-American team. I've heard preseason and, and after, but midseason, you know, come on. And, and he gets the award and he gets the nod. It's almost like a kiss of death or something. But but he will. He'll bounce back and he'll knock him through. He's too good a kicker not to do that for us. And, you know, the, the issue now is it's the weather's going to start turning and it's going to start getting nasty and that's a grass field. So, you know, it's the teams that snap, hold, and kick the best with their mechanics and, and fundamentals that are going to probably have the most success. Prediction? You know, um, I'm a homer, so I'm going to go with the Hawks. Uh, I don't know if I've ever picked against them, to be honest with you, since we've been doing this. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to go Hawks on a last second field goal. Uh, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go 24 to 21 on a uh, 37 yarder from the left hash. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Third and goal. Swinak in a tailback. Did he get in? Ball is loose. No signal. It is Iowa ball. It's a touchback, and Iowa's going to have it at the 20. Seems like right at the last second there is when it looked like Micah Hyde stripped it out. When did the fumble occur? Before he got to the goal line. Absolutely was. Absolutely was. You can see it fall out. Iowa jumping on the football. Christian Kirksey picking up the loose ball. And the Hawkeyes have it first and 10 at the 20.
HawkeyesMike.com. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.